0: I want you to turn in your Bible with me to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. I want to make a very adamant statement. Um, not that other statements I make aren't adamant as well. I just This one is really, really foundationally important. We have 16 pillars of faith that we stand on. Um, I'm ordained with the Assemblies of God. This is an assembly of God church. And the very first truth of our doctrine and doctrine is important. I love it when people come here because of the atmosphere and the culture, but I love it when people stay because of the sound doctrine. Because you you could go anywhere that produces a good show. But do they have sound doctrine? Is is their faith based on the word of God Properly interpreted from the fullness of Scripture. The very first fundamental truth of the assemblies of God is, number one, we believe the Scriptures are the inspired Word of God. That means we believe that nothing goes beside this book. No man's opinion. No political figure. No church figure, no other book. This is God's absolute authority. And if you don't have that, then you're gonna get distracted by other things because there's really two perspectives in life. You with me? Two perspectives, this book and everything else. This word and everything else. There's a biblical worldview And there's everything else. Every other opinion and every other perspective. And those are all lumped into the same category. But God said through the Apostle Paul that this book is the inspired word. It's the God-breathed word of God. 2 Timothy 3.16 We believe in the authority, the absolute authority of this book. I can't stress it enough. Two perspectives. This book and everything else. Two perspectives. Eternity and earthly. Those are the two. So based off last week's message, here's a phrase I want you to carry with you. God brings eternal purpose to every earthly problem. We believe in a God, and it doesn't, He's not gonna protect us from earthly problems. He will some, But we believe in a God that no matter what happens on earth, no matter what pain, problems, persecution, whatever happens on earth, we believe in a God who brings eternal purpose to every earthly problem. So what seems... Like a bad stroke of the brush is really part of the entire portrait of our lives. And as long as God is holding the brush, then we can trust whatever stroke we have to go through because we believe in a God who takes what the enemy meant for evil and, and turns it for good. Everything doesn't happen for a reason. We live in a fallen world around fallen people with fallen problems. But we believe in a God. Are y'all okay? We believe in a God who takes those things. Romans eight twenty eight. For we know it, you don't have to wonder. It, it's already been determined. And and it's not quoting it that we have a problem with, it's applying it. Yeah, I done stepped in something today. See, because when everything's running over and all the bills are paid, and we got the new vehicle, and we move into the nice house, and everybody's healthy, and nobody's throwing up, well then we know. My God is farming. Hey! But when everything starts falling apart, we have to apply faith. Otherwise, you'll be distracted on how you feel. And you'll start looking around at what's going on on earth. That's the wrong perspective. And you'll forget what God may be doing in eternity. We know no matter what day it is, no matter what time of year, even if you can't mow your yard, because it won't stop raining. All you farmers, God heard you. It rained. Pray for something else. Trying to help somebody. <laughs> we know, we know that God works. All th- Things don't work. Amen? How many of you got a 50-year-old dryer still running? I don't. I don't have a 15 year old vehicle still running because things don't work. God, people don't work. My God, I ain't even got time to preach that today. <laughs> that's not a political statement, that's biblical. If you don't work, you don't eat. It's right here. Things don't work. But God, we know. Now, I'm not saying that you're not in a season of life, that's, don't get stuck on one thing. We know that God works. All things to the good of those who love him and are called. Not what you want. Not what I want. That's not why we're here. Are called according to his purpose. We believe in a God who brings eternal purpose to earthly problems. To pain, to suffering, to frustration, to shame. Even to sin. Jump with me to verse 31. What then shall we say in response to all these silly things that keep happening? What then shall we say? You're gonna need to remember this, like the third week of groups. God, you're gonna need to remember this tomorrow morning when you try to wake up, when a child talks back to you. Especially when they're not yours. come on, Because <laughs> oh. mine talk back on. I just it immediately. But you try to bluff a kid these days and they'll just call it. And then you're like, I can't. Mm. What then shall we say in response to all of these things? If God is for us. God. I don't need to go back and preach that message. If God is for us, well, I know the scripture, then live it. Then remember it when you need it the most. Quote it when you don't want to hear it. Come on. If God is for us, who can be against us? How can we know that God is for us? Verse 32. He did not spare his own son, but gave his son up for, for what? Why did Jesus stay on the cross? Why did he not call a legion of angels to take him down? Right. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. What was the joy? You. He stayed on the cross for you. God did not spare his own son for you. It was so that you and I would know that there was a reason, 1 John 3, 8, that the Son of Man left the throne, that he left the palace, that he came down and endured the persecution. And the reason was us. So if God be for us, he did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all. How will he not also along with him work out all this mess? How will he not also along with him forgive your sin? How will he not also along with him remove your shame? How will he not also along with him heal your marriage? How will he not also along with him save your children? How will he not also along with him provide your financial miracle? How will he not also along with him take care of you and yours? He gave his son and Jesus just to make sure we knew, stayed on the cross and said, after he prayed this prayer, God, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, oh man, I'm so glad that Jesus knew the Aramaic for nevertheless. (laughs) Not my will, but thine. And then on the cross, he said, Father, forgive them for their ignorance. Because they just don't, they don't understand they don't, under, they don't grasp it yet, God, but forgive them anyway. Forgive them, for they know not what they do. And then the apostle Paul writes in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, that God demonstrates. It, you don't ever have to wonder if God cares again. He's already shown us. If this is what we believe, if we believe this book, he's already shown us that God demonstrates his own love for us in this, While we were still, I'm going to go ahead and say it, stupid, sinful, selfish, arrogant, prideful, pursuing our own glory, messing up everything that we put our hands on, and putting our hands on things that we shouldn't. That didn't go well. He said, God looked down from heaven and said, I know what you've done. And I care so much, I'm going to do something about it. It's not that he looked down from heaven, I know what you've done, and I don't care. No, he cares so much, he's going to do something about it. God demonstrated his love for us in this, that while we were still sinning, Christ died for us. If God is for us, that's the phrase this week. If God is, you might have heard it before. Good for you. But if God is for us, I think somebody might wanna write down, You're gonna because this afternoon, tomorrow morning, and certainly by Tuesday, you're gonna have to say, my God is for me. Somebody's gonna challenge you, something's going to arise, you're gonna see something, get a text, read something, scroll too much on social media, have I found you yet? Something's gonna take place, and you're gonna have to go, by God, is for me you're gonna hear a report feel bad get sick be overwhelmed or maybe just struggle with your own fallen nature and you're gonna have to quote and remind yourself my god he is it's not if it's not even an if then statement my god is for me it's not a matter of whether we get knocked down in this life it's not a matter of whether we go through something or do not go through something And I'm looking around overwhelmed by what I get to do for a living. But the only thing that I've ever done right is what God told me to do. Just do what God tells you to do. We made a decision. By we, I mean my bride and I, and she's coming to third service today, making she'll just letting her body heal from yesterday. I don't have time to share that story, but she got under the weather, and we don't know exactly what, but she'll be here later, and she's feeling better already because we prayed, and God moved. Thank God. But we made a decision a long time ago. Whether I was going to go to law school or, or play baseball or she was going to teach or plan a school... <laughs> We just want to do what God wants us to do. So, whether we work every day in a field, or we work every day in an office, or we serve wherever we serve, or we go to school because we're still preparing for what God has for us, this is all about Jesus. I'm going where I'm going, doing what I'm doing, making what I'm making because God wants to build a kingdom and He wants to use me. And I get to watch. And you get to be a part. Because I can't go out and do every day what you're able to do. But together we're watching God accomplish his will. Because we believe in a God we know works all things. No matter how messed up all of us are. It's, that's funny. Because y'all look at me and and I remember who I've been and, and then some of you... I saw your Facebook, and I, never mind. (laughs) And and then I still watch, and God's still using all of this to bring about his glory, because he's for us. Jesus said, in this life, there will be tribulation. You will face, you will face. Listen, don't don't be distracted by some ungodly dogma by some heretical teaching, that if you just give your life to Jesus, if you just pray, if you just ask, it's all about you getting what you want and winning how you want to and earning what you want. And it's not, that's not, that's not the gospel. The gospel is not about what we want. The gospel is about what we're willing to lay down. It's about less of me and more of you. Now, will God take care of us? Will God bless us? Absolutely. Oh, can I take a side trail that I'm taking on purpose real quick? I, a couple of years ago, my father-in-law bought a truck, donated it to the church, and gave it to me in my name. And somebody goes, man, you are blessed. And I was like, was I not blessed yesterday? I, I felt blessed when I was driving a 2005 Suburban with 200,000 miles and boogers in the back. Somebody get this kid some napkins. I know what we're collecting back here, but we can clean. I still felt blessed. Because my blessing is not dependent upon what I drive or where I live or what I wear. My blessing is dependent upon the presence of the one that provides the blessing. And as long as I stay in the blessing and in the presence, then it doesn't matter what I'm wearing, where I'm living, what I'm driving, or if I'm walking because the blessing is following the presence and I'm in the presence. Because I serve the Lord who brings about the blessing. And Jesus said, fear not. Fear not these earthly problems. For I have overcome the world. And you don't get it until you have to walk through it. And then you get to the other side and you don't realize how faithful he was until you make it through that valley. And I believe that it's time that the church stops just hoping that God will and start believing for him too. We need some holy boldness to get this thing done. It's going to, whatever God has called you to, it's going to take more than just hopefully working things out. If I just if I just wait around long, if I just listen to enough worship music or if I just r- read enough or listen to enough podcasts or somebody else's sermon. I, it's not that prayer and petition is not important. That's part of the process. But I believe it's time for the saints to get up and stay up. I believe it's time for the saints to look for the opportunities and not just ask God to use Somebody. I believe it's time for the saints, and when I say saints, I gotta clarify, just because of where we live. I'm not talking about canonized people. I'm talking about the royal priesthood, the chosen, the godly, God's own possession, the ones who surrender their lives to him. And it's time that the saints of God, that's us, begin to stand in the gap for all the people that need to see him move. Not just hear about how he used to move, but what he's doing right now. We're not praying for revival. We're walking in revival. We're believing for God. Then holy boldness... To walk in the anointing, not just in the hope, not just in what we heard God can do. Because there's a difference in knowing and believing that God will, and then operating in the authority that He already has. Knowing and believing God will, that's great. Grow to that place. But then don't stay there. Because then you got to, We have to move to a place where we don't just know and believe that he will. We begin to operate as if he already has. This is anointing. This is authority. And I believe that we're called to operate in both. If God be for us. No, hang on. We quote it. But are we applying it? We know that God works all things. Do we? Or is it just something that we've heard? Galatians chapter 6 verse 9. I tried to quote it last week and I, I was messing it up because I was confusing another scripture. Um, not in your notes today. It says, do not grow weary in well-doing. Now at 38 and a half years old, I'm, I'm grateful for the hundred people that did not grow weary over the last 30 years. I, I'm very grateful for a hundred people that kept their hand on the plow when other people would have dropped and walked away. I'm so grateful that we have a hundred people in this church who decided that come what may, we will not grow weary, we will not quit praying, we will not quit worshiping, we will not quit serving, we will not quit giving because they didn't grow weary. This 38 year old is seeing a harvest that he didn't deserve. There were people who refused to grow weary in well-doing and now in due season hello here we are and there's still more to come because if you do not grow weary in due season you can believe that some plant and some water but it's only a matter of time till we see God's harvest if oh if if you do not give up I don't know what you're plowing right now it probably feels like fallow ground it's hard to break up the fallow but I refuse to plow a field and allow thorns to stay in what I'm working I refuse to plant seed and let a weed choke it out I refuse to let other people's effort go to waste specifically God. Here's what Paul's saying to the church of Galatia. You don't get to grow weary. There's not enough time for us to grow weary in well-doing. For in due time you will reap a harvest if you do not give up. Um, I I have to, I don't know if you've known, I'm I'm a little wound up (laughs) just by nature. Um, And so, because I'm I'm a busybody. I go to sleep thinking about what I need to do. I wake up thinking about what I need to do. I don't want to do it, but I, I think about it a lot. Here's the problem. The Bible doesn't say, well thought, good and faithful servant. We'll come back to that another day, because that's like, oh, y'all weren't ready for that one. But I, I, I just I have a hard time stopping. So I have to schedule prayer or I won't do it. I have to schedule reading God's word or I won't do it. I'll get too busy. I have to plan it. And and I gotta give I gotta give God 10, 20, 30, 40. What I gotta give him his due time. And and not feel like there's something more important to do because there's not. That's a lie from hell. We got. The laborers are few. No, the laborers are distracted and spending too much time on social media, wasting their lives watching TV for 18 years of total time. That's what the laborers are doing. We have to schedule. I didn't mean to go there on y'all right. I have to schedule it. And so because we schedule it, I can tell you some stories in prayer. And so one day I was over here. I was was whining is what I was doing. I, I was calling it prayer, but I was whining. And, uh, and I made this statement, some of you have heard this. I made this statement, I said, God, man, I don't know if I can keep this up. Now, I laugh looking back at a 34 year old going, I don't know if I could keep this up. I was like, dude, you better find a way. 67's a long time for you there, bud. I don't know if I can keep this up. I don't know if I can keep this, keep this going. That's, that was the phrase. And the Lord spoke back. I don't know if God speaks back to you this way. If you sit long enough and listen, he'll say something. He didn't speak audibly. He just said, the only reason that you would think you need to keep something going is if you think you got it going. Now, if you're you're arrogant enough to think that you got something going, then you might carry the weight of thinking you have to keep it going. But when you realize that you're nothing but a vessel being used by an almighty God, and you realize that you're nothing but a sinner having fallen short in every area of your life, but you came to a place where you said, God, less of me and more of you. That I can use because then you come to a place where you realize your only response Possibility is obedience. And so the Lord, the Lord said to me, I didn't bring you here to leave you here. And I, that made me feel better for like two or three hours till something else happened. And I needed to pray again the next day. Then we were in prayer as a staff, which we have to plan. And if you try to call the office between 8.30 and 9 on Monday, you have to leave a message. Because we're praying. Well, don't y'all pray? Yeah, we pray at other times as well. But that's when we pray as a staff. That's the first thing we do every week. Imagine what God would do in your office if you... Pri- Never mind. It doesn't. I'm sorry. Not really. I meant it. But so I'm praying in the office one morning, and I had my eyes closed, and this doesn't always happen to me. I saw this little person, like, in my view and out, and in my view and out, and I was like, "That's weird." And so I, I was like, God, what was that? Am I just seeing things? Was I watching a weird YouTube video? What was, and the Lord said to me, I'm not a trampoline. And I said back, I didn't say you were, because I didn't understand what he was trying to say. And I saw that little person in and out, and, and he said, I'm not a trampoline. And I said, God, what, is, what are you trying to say to me? He said, Chris, I don't lift you up to just throw you back down again. I'm not a trampoline. Some of you you are where you are because God brought you here. And you you didn't go back because you haven't gone back. He didn't lift you up out of what he lifted you up out of so that you could go back to it again. He didn't carry you thus far to leave you here. He's not a trampoline. And then I remembered, That the Bible says that Jacob saw a ladder, and the angels were ascending and descending on the ladder. And the ladder represented the gap between heaven and earth, and the angels represented the access. And the ladder, according to the book of John, was Jesus who granted us access into the holy of holies, even while we're still here. God said, I'm not a trampoline. I don't lift you up just to throw you back down. Get on the ladder and start climbing towards the glory. If you will climb and keep climbing, then it won't matter what's happening underneath you. It won't matter what's happening all around you because I will continue to lead you into the place that I have for you. So the psalmist writes this in Psalm chapter 3, verse 3 You, O Lord, are a shield, like a fence. You are a shield around me. You ever been, been, been to the zoo? And, and then you see this just giant. I like gorillas. Let's go with gorillas. And they're right there, man. And you stand on the other side of the glass and you're like, Ooh. Okay, maybe it's just me. And, you got, and you're knocking on the glass because you're trying to get them to do something, you know. And then they respond and you don't do anything. Why? Because there's a fence. You ever seen that YouTube video? That guy that was standing in the glass doing this at the gorilla and he jumped over the gap and smashed the glass and all the people took off running? (laughs) That was awesome. Listen, Here's here's what the psalmist is saying. The Lord is a shield. He's a fence. He's a barrier. The only way that the enemy can get to you is if you're somewhere you're not supposed to be. He's a shield. He's a fence. He will guard you. He will protect you. And I reference this one. He is our glory. The psalmist writes, my glory and the lifter of my head. Watch what he says in verse five. I lie down and sleep and then I wake up again and the Lord sustains me. Why? Because eternity is a lot longer than the 75 years of vapor that I may exist on this earth. doesn't matter where I lay down. It doesn't matter what I was carrying when I laid down. It's the fact that in the morning, his mercies are made new. His steadfast love never ends. Great is thy faithfulness, O God. It's his glory. If God... If God wakes you up tomorrow morning, it's because he's got some glory for you to go walk in. It's because he's got some glory to reveal to you so that he can reveal through you. If God lets you get out of bed tomorrow, it's because he has a purpose for your life. Because he is the glory and the lifter of my head. And if he lifts you up, he will sustain you. Whom shall I fear (laughs) if God be for me? Now, um, because I've got to do this one more time before we go, i I come down off the mountain just for a moment. And um, I, I like to go into the woods and come home with animals to eat. Forgive me if that's not your thing. I try not to waste. I try to find them. Um, I I try to clean them. Uh, I try to give them to somebody that can cook them. And then, so y'all laugh, but it's, anyways. I I like, I like, I like to. I prefer to go, especially in the dark, I prefer to be with someone else. I just feel better when I'm with someone like like groups. Well, you, well, I tried to sign up for the one I wanted, it's it's full. The one I want. Maybe God wants you in a different one. Maybe God wants you to meet somebody else. That's not your little friend group. You ain't won nobody out of in the last 20 years. I can't preach that. That's not even the point of that right now. <laughs> I, I go through this message when I was like, okay, God, let me say something to this service that's actually you, not just me. So I go off in the woods, and this time I have a dog, but he won't stay with me. He's too excited, and so he just keeps running off. It's just me and him. I'm trying to get him, put him on a leash. He runs off, and I see in my head lamp. it's not real big just because, you know, he's a lamp unto my feet, <laughs> And about 100 feet in front of me. And in, in, in front of me, I see these eyeballs. Now, look. You guys come up to me and you show me your, your trail cams with black bear and 400-pound pigs. Okay? And I don't know if you've noticed, but I have a little bit of an imagination. <laughs> so in the dark, when I see eyeballs, I'm not thinking, oh, look, Kitty cats. So I call my dog, I put him on the leash, and then I realize I have a gun on my back. So I, I take my gun off my shoulder, because I have a weapon, and, I, and I, I load the gun. I don't just see up in front of me something that I'm about to have to face, and then go, cover me, Jesus. And just bail off into the thing. No, I, I go with a clue. God gives me wisdom. You know, not to just walk into eyeballs in the dark. Are y'all okay? Are you with, can you see this picture right now? Here's what I'm trying to say. We have to, we have to stop and confide in the Father like, we have to stop and take the time to actually hear from the one that we believe we are with. You can't just bell off the side of a cliff and hope God cleans up your mess all the time. If he got you out of something, it's because he wants to keep you out of something. If he shows you something in the path ahead of you, it's because he's either ready to use you to overcome it or he's trying to keep you out of it. So don't just barrel in. With no regard for him. you got to stop. When did you, here, why? When did you confide in Jesus last week? When? Before or after stuff didn't go the way that you wanted to? Well, that didn't go. i just keep going. Did you go to him? and ask him for the plan, or did you just come up with a plan and then ask him to bless it? Because those aren't the same. We've got to confide in the Father. Moses, he didn't go into the wilderness blindly. He was actually running from his problems. But it was in the wilderness that he learned how to shepherd. So then God could send him back to Pharaoh and use him and a stick to reveal his glory now Moses gets a bad rap but he dealt with a million people who by the way had a slave mentality and there is nothing like trying to lead an orphan out of darkness the only thing that's more difficult is trying to help an individual overcome a poverty mentality and believe that God really can I don't got time to preach that today He's a shepherd. God puts him on the backside of a desert for 40 years. He brings him back to Pharaoh, and God reveals his glory to Pharaoh by a stick. Fast forward. All the people are ready to kill Moses. (laughs) What do they want to kill the leader for? Because when things go wrong, it's his fault. Throw him in a pit. Kill him. And God covers him. And then he takes a stick from 12 men representing 12 tribes and Aaron throws the stick on the ground it's the staff and they leave it out overnight and the Bible says the next morning Aaron's staff had budded blossomed and had fruit and almonds coming off the end of the staff so that the people would know listen I'm with him I'm with him and you need to be with him too fast-forward Israel wants a king Samuel goes to them and tries to talk them out of it so then he goes to God and he says Israel wants me to give them a king and God says he's not rejecting you they're not rejecting you they're rejecting me give them what they want so Samuel picks Saul anoints him as king and Saul had some issues he preferred sacrifice over obedience he didn't understand God's process so God began to realign the kingdom through another person. And Samuel goes to Jesse and says, I'm supposed to anoint one of your sons. And he, and he had eight of them. And Samuel was brought Eliab, the oldest son, the biggest son, the brightest son, the best looking. So just, well, I'm the oldest. The natural choice. And yet Samuel, see, be careful just because it makes sense to man. Be careful when you think you belong and you deserve the position. It's the start of some trouble. And Samuel looks at Eliab and goes, "He's not the one. He works his way down to seven sons, and then Samuel says, "Is this, is this it? These are all your sons?" And Jesse's like, I mean, there's a little harp playing redhead out in the field taking care of the sheep. And Samuel goes, "Um, let's go ahead and bring him into the mix. See what God says. And then David walks up out of the field, cranky little redhead with a stick probably still has a slingshot in his pocket. And Samuel walks over to the boy, takes a ram's horn and pours pours oil on top of his head. And then Eliab and his brothers go off to war and David goes back to the field covered in oil. Thanks, Samuel. But then the Bible says, just because David was doing what he was supposed to do, He sat out there with his stick and his slingshot, probably wondering if God remembered his promise. You ever wondered if God remembered his promise? You ever wondered if God was going to respond to your request? You ever wondered if God still stood by his word? I bet David did, out there covered in oil, throwing rocks out of a sling. And then one day, the Bible says, David was out in that field and a lion came to attack the sheep. And David took his sling, and likely his staff, and he killed the lion. And then another day, the Bible says that David was out in the field, and a bear, (laughs) like black bear maybe, Louisiana, big pig, came after the sheep. And David threw the rock at the bear, and he killed the bear. Because he was out in the field, Just doing what his daddy told him to do. He didn't realize what God was preparing him for. He probably thought God forgot him. Y'all okay? His daddy says, David, I need you to take some bread to your brothers and go into battle. So David takes the bread, he goes to battle, and when he gets to the battle, he sees a Philistine giant standing in the middle of the field blaspheming the God of Israel and he's confused Why is nobody doing anything about this giant? Saul the king is sitting in his tent. Eliab the brother is standing by idly while the giant ravages one giant against the entire army and they're not willing to do anything about it. And David says, can I go up against the giant? Why would David go up against the giant? Because he learned how to shepherd the flock. He learned how to tend the sheep. He learned how to prepare when everybody else had forgotten that he was even in the field. And the Bible says David went up to the giant just as he went up to the lion and just as he went up to the bear. And then the Bible tells us that David looks at the giant and says, you come at me with sword and spear, but I come to you in the name of the Lord God. And he faces the giant, defeats the giant, and he's sent back to the field. What? He runs for his life from the king that he saved. He delivers Saul from demons with his little harp. And Saul tries to take his life. And David, waiting for God's timing, ends up from the pasture to the palace. And he writes this psalm. He says. As he looks over his life. The Lord. Is my shepherd. The only reason I'm where I am. Is because of him. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me. To lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me down paths of righteousness for his name's sake. This is not for me. God didn't give me this position so that I could promote and glorify myself. He leads me down paths of righteousness for his name's sake, and then David gets Pentecostal and he says, Yay! I don't know why he put that part. He could have just said, Though I walk. But he didn't. He was like he was excited about it. And that doesn't make any sense unless you've already been in the valley. He says, Yay, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no Evil for thou art because I've never been alone. I wasn't alone in the field when my daddy forgot me, I wasn't alone on the battlefield when the Israelites stood behind me. I have never been alone. I hadn't wasn't alone in the cave when God sent 400 riffraff and three of them brought me a glass of water. Thou art with me, thy rod, not my, thy rod. And thy staff, they comfort, because there ain't nothing like a daddy with a stick to make everybody get in line. Come on, somebody. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. God's not trying to discipline with his rod and his staff. He's protecting. But it's our turn. They comfort me, David says. And then... This doesn't make any sense. You prepare a group for me that I didn't want to sign up for. I don't know how you read the Bible. You prepare a table before me in my little comfort zone of friends that I've already hung out with. No. In the presence of my enemies. Why? Because it's only in the presence of enemies that you need the anointing of God. You don't get the anointing surrounded by your support group. Come on, somebody. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with the support. I'm for the support group. But if the support group doesn't get out of that friend group and go invite somebody else and win somebody else, and the anointing on the inside of them begins to win the enemies all around them, then what was the point? You prepare for me a table in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil it was like he was remembering when Samuel dumped oil all over his head and my cup runneth over. Hello, watch, watch, watch. Tomorrow morning, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell. God was covering you, but just because you kept walking. Goodness and mercy were following you just because you kept following Jesus. And I, says David, will dwell in the house of the Lord, for how long? Forever. Because if God be for me then who, what, where, when can come against me. I think some of you, I'm ready to pray because I got to do, I get to do this again. Come on, somebody. I'm ready to pray, but I think that some of you need to get a holy boldness on the inside of you and understand that you have the armor of God, but you got to wake up and put it on. That you have the shield of faith, but you got to wake up and pick it up. You have the sword of the Spirit, but you got to confide in the Father long enough to know that you're holding the weapon. The enemy tried to take you out into. 2020 ruin your business in 2020 rob your family in 2020 but it's 2023 and you're still here i think there's some people in the presence of god today that need to stand up in the face of their enemy and say i'm still here i might have walked through the valley i might have been in the cave i might have been declared sick i might have gone through hell but i'm still here devil and Until you know my daddy, you haven't fully understood who I'm called to be. Now, you may bring me home next week, but today, my God is for me. And if I want to know what he's going to do tomorrow, all I have to do is look back at how faithful he was yesterday. My God is for me. Jesus said it this way in John chapter 10, verse 11. I am Elohim, Jehovah, Yahweh, creator. I am Jesus, the good shepherd. And the good shepherd lays down his life. He did not spare his own son. But he gave him up for us all. Will he not provide? I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. All right, watch, watch. God is for me. God is for you. If I hadn't convinced you yet, I don't know what else to say. All I can do is ask God to reveal himself to you for the next 48 hours. God is for you. If you believe that, then why are you not surrendered to him fully? Why is it so hard to live for him? Why would you not obey him? If God is for me, then who can be against me? Oh, you might have heard this before but it's repeated for a reason.